Turn your Bibles with us this morning to Joel chapter 2 within God's Word. Joel chapter 2 within God's Word this morning. Amen. Amen. It is so good to be back, and thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving this morning. Thank you for being faithful to church. I can't wait for the cold weather to come. So God's people will come back home to church. <laughs> this September has just been too warm. My, my, my. And uh, uh, we're preaching in our third service right now. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, we have three Sunday morning services here at Lakeside. And uh, this is my third preaching service. Join us tonight for a fourth one. Uh, tonight we're serving communion. The whole service will be communion. whole service tonight will be communion. Join us. The emphasis will be healing. If you need healing, if you need a miracle, join us. I have found and discovered down through time that God does very special things at communion. And if you need a breakthrough, join us tonight. The whole service will not be a preaching service. whole service will be communion. And it will be a real powerful encounter service. We'll be meeting in the chapel uh, this evening at 5.30 uh, p.m. Well, uh, it, it, it was uh, not even a year ago, Becky and I were in uh, Rome, Italy, ministering in Italy, and who flies in and, and messes up the airport? The Pope. A year ago, May, May of 2014, uh, Becky and I are in Jerusalem, uh, Israel. Uh, they're touring, and uh, who shuts down all the streets because he's there? Pope. Monday, Monday uh, of this past week, uh, Monday, I'm hearing all kinds of military helicopters uh, zooming over our hotel where we were staying there in, in Olguin, uh, Cuba. And, and uh, uh, who sets up shop? Who sets up camp right next practically to our hotel? I mean, we walked down to it. Uh, uh, thousands upon thousands of people, they shut down all the stores, shut down all the roads. We could not drive anywhere. We're stuck. Who, who shows up? The Pope. I, I have been contemplating this week of writing him a letter. <laughs> Stop following me around when I minister at places. It, it's, it, it's really... Uh, snagging up uh, the logistics uh, of me trying to get around. Uh, my, 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 what a week it has been in the news, and we'll comment on it. But uh, again, I thank the Lord for the privilege of ministering in Cuba. I look at it as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, of ministering in that uh, communist nation. Yes, we might go back, but it's never the same. It's never the same when you go back and minister. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. Tonight, Lord willing that we don't have Michigan cloud cover, tonight will be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Are you recognizing and realizing that? It begins this lifetime experience at 8.11 p.m., if you want to mark it down. It will reach its maximum maximum depth at 10.47 p.m. It will end at 1.22 a.m. Uh, tomorrow morning. This event, this once-in-a-lifetime event, will last for 5 hours and 11 minutes. I believe the Bible describes it far better than I could ever aptly put it into words. Joel chapter 2, verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. What am I talking about? The super blood moon. Let us pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we minister on this subject, I ask and pray that you would come, O Holy Spirit, and Lord, impact us, not only upon the times in which we live, 
But Lord, grant us a thus saith the Lord in a new way of living that we might glorify you, that we might be indeed people of your word and of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen and amen. The super blood moon. If you want to follow along and take notes with me this morning, tonight's super blood moon will be a, a unique once-in-a-lifetime event. First of all, I want you to know it will be a harvest moon. A harvest. What is a harvest moon, you might ask? Uh, it comes from uh, the days of bygone past when farmers were anxious to get in the harvest. And even after the sun would set, at this time of the year, there is a harvest moon. There is no time of darkness between sunset and moon rise. The farmers were able to bring in the harvest even in the moonlight. They were thankful for the harvest moon. Yes, this is also tonight going to be a super moon. Why do we call it a super moon? Does the moon all of a sudden grow larger? It appears larger, most definitely. It will appear tonight to be practically 15% brighter and larger than normal. It's because the moon does not orbit the earth in a perfect circle. The moon orbits the earth in an elliptical. That means that it has a far distance, location, and position of 252,000 miles when it's the furthest away from us. That's the apogee. And then its closest approach, its perigee, is not 252,000 miles away. But tonight at around 8 o'clock, it will be just 222,000 miles miles away. The closest the moon ever gets to us, hence the name supermoon. It will be 30% brighter at its closest approach than its longest approach, its most distant approach from us. A supermoon, a harvest moon, a supermoon. In addition to being a harvest moon and a supermoon, tonight we will experience a total lunar eclipse a total lunar eclipse the sun the moon the earth will line up exactly in a line and suddenly because of the elliptical orbit the moon will dip into the earth's shadow and reflected on the moon will be thousands of sunrises Thousands of sunsets that are seen around the periphery of our planet. They will be reflected. All of the Earth's sunsets and sunrises will be reflected on the moon in a coppery red color. Hence the name, blood moon. It will be a harvest moon, a super moon, a blood moon. But there's more. Do you realize tonight is the final four tonight tonight's blood moon will be the last of four blood moons that have taken place over the last 18 months this is called a lunar tetrad write it down with me this is where i'm going though the fascinating element of tonight's super blood moon is its possible prophetic prophetic perspective the prophets, the apostles, even Jesus, you can't get away from it, made several, several prophecies regarding signs in the heavens, most specifically blood moons. And especially when you read these prophecies in the context of all that's happening in the news, all that's happening around the world, as you read these prophecies that I'm about to read in the context of all the prophetic fulfillment that our generation has witnessed, more prophetic fulfillment than any other generation since Jesus Christ, it makes tonight's event even more serious. 
Joel chapter 3, verse 4, the sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood prior to the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Jesus said in Luke 21, there will be great earthquakes, famine, and pestilences in various places, fearful events, great signs from heaven. Matthew 24, Jesus said the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Revelation 6, 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal. Behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood. Acts chapter 2, verse 16. What's the context? It's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Some people were speaking in known languages. You hear people speak in languages that you do not know all the time. When you go to the mall, you go to the hospital. Uh, I mean, anymore in our area, it's becoming a tapestry, a beautiful tapestry of the world in many languages. You do not think that's strange whatsoever. On the day of Pentecost, they heard them speaking in their own languages. And they were praising the wonders of God. But then there was another group on the day of Pentecost. They must have been staggering. They must have been speaking something that sounded like gibberish. And the people said, they are drunk on new wine. Peter gets up and says, these men are not drunk on new wine. This is that which the prophet Joel said. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That was the day of Pentecost when God breathed out His Holy Spirit and the church was birthed. Do you realize the last 100 years? Do you realize that during the last 100 years it has been called a, a, second, a second Pentecost? Do you realize in the last 100 years the Holy Spirit has been rediscovered? The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, has been poured out upon His church in a measure that has not been experienced since the day of Pentecost? Do you realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached more around the world than at any other time since Jesus in the last 100 years? Do you realize when we crossed over into the 21st century that your Bible... For the first time, missiologists report to us your Bible, God's Word, was translated into every language, every tribe, every dialect, every nation. For the first time, we can say the gospel has now been shared with the entire world. Cuba, the nation that we were just preaching the gospel in, the missionary told us, Damien Zinicola, we were told that there are more house churches being planted. There are more people being saved and born again in Cuba per capita than any other nation on the planet. Hallelujah. Revival's going on. It's like a revival fire sweeping that communist nation. I saw a report this week on the 700 Club, CBN, with Pat Robertson. Do you know what's happening in communist China? There is a prayer movement going on. The Holy Spirit's being poured out without measure in the nation, the communist nation of China. In the next three years, communist China is set to become the largest Christian nation ever seen in human history of the planet. God is pouring out His Spirit. God is pouring out His Spirit. God is pouring out His Spirit. Jesus said in Mark 14, this gospel shall be preached as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. My point, my point, is that we are witnessing a second Pentecost. We are witnessing the fulfillment of Acts chapter 2, and I will pour out my Spirit, and it shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. 
and then the moon will become as blood. We need to recognize tonight's event in the context of all that God is doing. But there's much more so. There's much more that I need to report to you. What's further fascinating about tonight's super blood moon is the fact that it's the last. It's the, 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 it's the last of, of four blood moons. The last three blood moons have all appeared on high holy days that God ordained unto Israel. The last three lunar eclipses occurred on Passover, April the 15th, 2014, the Feast of Tabernacles, October the 8th, 2014, Passover, April the 4th, 2015, a tetrad of blood moons, all coinciding with Jewish festivals. Do you know how rare this is? Rabbinic scholars are telling us that this is extremely, extremely rare to have four total lunar eclipses, blood moons, occur on high holy days ordained for Israel. For all four of them in sequence, this is extremely rare. This has happened only four times in the last 1,000 years. And at each time and at each happening where there has been a cycle of four, there has become a turning point in Jewish history. Again, when you read Bible prophecy, you don't put on the lens of your American culture. When you read prophecy, the, the eye of the hurricane is not America, but Israel. Be aware of that as you study Bible prophecy. The last 1,000 years, four tetrads have appeared. The first tetrad was in 14, 14, 28 to 1429. It marked the end of a horrendous wave of forced conversions for the Jews in, in Spain. 1493, 1494 singled the end of the Spanish Inquisition, and God was preparing a new home for the Jews with the founding of America through Christopher Columbus. 1949, moving up closer to present day. What happened during 1949 to 1950? Israel had just been birthed as a nation, and it it, it received and, and, and enjoyed its first victory in a war for her survival against a coalition, an impossible coalition of Arab nations. Do you realize in her short lifespan, Israel, this tiny nation of just a handful of a million people, has withstood five major wars by 300 million people. Arabs that have allied themselves together against Israel. Israel should not even exist. The sheer existence of Israel today, her survival, is only due to the hand of God. She has not only survived, if you travel over there, she has not only survived, she has thrived. God has prospered her. Unbelievably. Yes. The next tetrad of blood moons occurred 1967, 1968. What happened to Israel during that time? She regained sovereign control over Jerusalem and the Temple Mount after the Six-Day War for the first time in more than 2,500 years. Look at the facts. They all point that when a tetrad takes place, there is a major decisive occurrence, event, not just in Jewish history, but in global history. Think of the context in which tonight's super blood moon is occurring. Think of those things in relation to Israel and the world. The Iran nuclear deal. Despite the fact, despite the fact of a majority of Republicans in Congress, Republicans in the, in the Senate, the Iran nuclear deal is going through. And in the eyes of Israel and her Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, it's practically a death sentence on Israel. 
Look at the context of tonight's super blood moon. This past week, who visited Washington, D.C. and shook hands with President Obama? On what day? On what day? It wasn't just, it wasn't just a weekday. It was the high and holy Jewish festival day. The holy day ordained by God is a day of atonement. It's a day of judgment. When I saw, when I saw President Obama and when I saw the Pope standing together and shaking hands, when I look at my news and all the news is just surrounding the Pope, surround, I can't get news. When I turn on uh, Fox or CNN, it's Pope, Pope, Pope. Now understand me here, and I hope the video and the tape picks this up. I am not Catholic bashing whatsoever. I am not anti-Pope. I am not saying President Obama is the Antichrist or the Pope is something else whatsoever. But it does remind me when I see both church and state together in such an unbelievable, unprecedented relationship. Before the eyes of the world, I see Revelation 13 coming alive, where the Bible says that the three-point plan for the Antichrist for world domination, his three-point plan to control the world will be, number one, a one-world economic system, 666. Number two, a one-world government. Number three, a one-world religion. You can put the communists into power, but man must have religion. The Antichrist will use religion to manipulate the masses into a one-world church. It's all there in Revelation 13. Also, Revelation 17 says where the one-world church, one-world religion will arise from. The Bible says in Revelation 17 it will arise from the city that's built upon seven hills. There's only one city in the world built upon seven hills. That city is Rome, Italy. Yeah. And now, now, the blood moon tetrad has happened again in the years 2014-2015. In addition to being a supermoon, a blood moon, do you realize in addition to being a Jewish holy day, over the next 24 hours. We are living in a year that has just completed seven, seven Shemitahs. Seven Shemitahs. At the end of every seven years, there would, the fields were to be put to rest. It was a, a Sabbath year of rest. Seven times seven Seven is God's number for completeness, full fulfillment, something to be finished, perfection. God said seven times seven after every 49th year, we, He would proclaim the year of Jubilee. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee. We are in the year of Jubilee right now. We have just completed a cycle of seven times seven. Today we're completing a cycle of the fourth blood moon on the Jewish holy day that I'm about to preach about. An address. Write it down. In the last 18 months, four lunar eclipses or blood moons have occurred in a tetrad on God-ordained Jewish holy days. And what is remarkable about tonight is not only the context of all that is happening in the world, the Iran nuclear deal, the, the magnification and amplification, exaltation of the Pope's visit here to North America and Latin America. And not only in the, the context of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but what's happening right now in Syria, just north of Israel. 
What power, what power in the world is doing a massive military buildup in the nation of Syria, the avowed enemy of Israel? Russia is performing right now as we speak a massive military buildup. Google it. Uh, the United States is alarmed. Europe is alarmed. It is a, 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 an Air Force military buildup, jet fighters, attack helicopters, drones by the, the, the Russians. Also, two months' worth of naval exercises off the coast uh, of Syria. They have set up a naval base. Why is this alarming in the context of all that we're talking about? Go home today, and I challenge you to read Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39. It's called the War of Gog and Magog. It is World War III. It is not Armageddon. There will be a World War III, according to the Bible, before Armageddon ever happens. This is an invasion of Israel. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, you will read ancient names of locations and people groups. When you transpose those ancient names into modern names, you come up with Moscow, Russia, the Muslim allies of Russia, the Arab nations that will come into a coalition with Russia in the last of the last days and invade Israel. Ezekiel 38 talks about the regathering in the last of the last days and future years. God will regather his people from around the world back to their homeland, Israel. They will be at peace and secure and safe. And then the attack comes. And the Bible says that this coalition coming from Russia and uh, her Arab uh, Muslim uh, confederation and allies will sweep into Israel like a flood. But then the Bible says that the guardian of Israel who neither sleeps or slumbers will rise up. His fury will rise up in his face and he will attack with his heavenly holy artillery. The annihilation will be unbelievable according to modern military logistics. Only one-sixth of the invading force will survive. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 39 that the people of Israel, in fact, all of the people of the world will know that they know that they know that there's a God in heaven. And He has risen up to protect His people Israel. You need to understand why I am so excited about what is going to happen tonight. It's in the context of all of these swirling prophetic events and facts that we know about. Am I saying that Jesus is coming back tonight? No, I'm believing He's coming back in the next moment. Jesus can come at any time. Am I setting dates? No. Am I saying Jesus is absolutely returning tonight at the blood moon? No. Am I saying anything could happen tonight? No. But you've seen the facts. You've seen the history of the blood moons. You see the record of Scripture. Prophetic Scripture declares in the last of the last days, there will be blood moons that will take... Are these... We don't know, but it bears watching. What are the Jewish holy days? Why are we excited about what's happened with the blood moons? Because God seems to always do something special, something critical for Israel and the people of God on Jewish holy days. Put up on the screen the, the, the Jewish holy days, if you would. The Feast of Passover. Who was crucified upon a cross on the Feast of Passover? Jesus is our Passover Lamb. Why did God choose the Feast of Passover? Why not just any day? 
He specifically chose the Feast of Passover because the Feast of Passover was set not just as a festival for Israel. It was set as a prophetic, prophetic picture of what would happen in the future. Every Passover lamb was a prophetic picture of the Passover lamb that would be crucified upon the cross. If you want to know what's going to happen in the future, you must travel to the past. If you want to understand God's timetable and God's prophetic scenario for the future, you must study the seven holy days that have been ordained for Israel. And God says that these are His feasts, not Israel's, His, an everlasting holy day unto the Lord. It tells us it's much more, these feast days, than a festival for Israel. What took place on the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Jesus was buried in the tomb on that day. What happened on the Feast of First Fruits? Jesus was resurrected from the dead. We call it Easter. That's why Paul the Apostle would later say to the church in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul would say, Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. Hallelujah. This is what my class is going to be all about. Come to my class. I'm taking some free air time here to promote my class on Wednesday night. Yeah. That's what my class is going to be all about. We're going to study these in detail. On what day did God chose, choose to pour out His Holy Spirit? On what day did God choose to birth His church? He didn't choose just any ordinary day. What day did He choose? The Feast of Pentecost. Most Pentecostals, they understand the day of Pentecost. They don't understand, though, that God chooses His feast days as critical turning points in redemption history for the people of God. Now, the first four festivals, holy days, always take place in the springtime. The last three always take place in the fall. That's why most prophetic scholars believe that when Jesus comes back, He will come back on a feast day. He'll come back on a holy day. A Jewish festival day ordained by God. Today is one of those days. The blood moon is appearing tonight. And it's appearing on what Jewish festival? Write it down. Tonight's unique super blood moon is appearing on the 7th of Israel's seven annual festivals, the Feast of Tabernacles. What's the Feast of Tabernacles? Every year after the harvest, God had His people go camping. Can you imagine? Can you imagine every year you would have to leave your house, set up the tent in the backyard, and live in the tent for seven days? Now, your pastor Ryan, he set up the tent and lived with his boys in it overnight. But I don't think they, he made it for seven days. If he pushed for seven days with those two boys in that tent, I can guarantee you we would be visiting him in the funny farm. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, my wife and I used to go camping all the time. But the last time we went camping, we got attacked by raccoons. Your pastor had to stand guard in front of the zipper door of our tent until 4.30 in the morning with a spear so my wife could sleep. I am not making this up. I don't, the Christ illustrations I don't make up. We're just weird people. Let me, let me back up and tell you what happened. We're, we're in the tent, and anytime we go tenting, I mean, it's party time. We bring all the food we can bring, all the snacks we can bring. Amen. And, and we're eating, the, we're not thinking that these raccoons are coming out of hibernation and they're starving. And all of a sudden, we see these huge shadows. I mean, these raccoons, they were, they were big as bears. Well, large dogs. <laughs> they're growling and growling around the tent. My wife's screaming. She's, I said, honey, trust me. Trust me, they cannot get into the tent. <laughs> Honey, hey, you're, look, you're married a macho man here. 
I, I, I was a royal ranger. I've done a lot of tenting. Raccoons cannot manipulate a zipper and, and, and unzip and come into the... I, the words had just barely got a... Honest before God, I didn't know they had little hands. <laughs> Honest before God, I didn't know they could unzip a tent. As I'm telling her, honey, am I making this up? No. I'm telling you, as the words are coming out of my mouth, zip. It was the biggest, baddest, I mean, deformed, mutated raccoon you I mean, drooling for our food. And it's coming in. And she's screaming to high heaven and saying she'll never go camping with me again. I'm trying to think, what am I talking, what am I preaching about, right? Oh, okay, I don't get Every year, Israel would go camping. They would have to leave their houses, and they would live in a tent or a booth or a shelter. This was commanded by God. They would live for seven days. It's somewhat like our communion. Tonight, when I serve communion, I'm going to have you remember what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Hallelujah. It's a special time. It's a sacred time. It's a powerful time in your, your walk with God. It's a healing time. When they lived in those tents, what were they remembering? When we were in Egypt, we were in a house of bondage. But then God delivered us. And we lived in tents in the wilderness. And those tents... They symbolized our deliverance. Uh, those tents symbolized our freedom from the house of bondage in Egypt because in those tents we were free. And also those tents reminded us we're travelers on the way to what land? Promised land. Oh, there's a sermon there. I said there's a sermon there. Now, I've given you all the Scripture on the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll let you read that at home. It's in your study guide. There's two truths that the Lord wants to reveal to us through the Feast of Tabernacles. Write it down with me. God wants you to realize something about the Feast of Tabernacles. The Festival of Tabernacles was also known as the season of our joy. It was the most joyous the happiest of all of Israel's seven festivals. Write it down. God wants us to realize He has real joy for us in the here and now. In the here and now. Hey, I I've probably have had hundreds of counseling situations. And you've heard me share this before. Probably the number one question that I'll ask time and time again with people is that as I give them the tools on how to solve problems, because we don't believe in cozying up to our problems. We don't believe in getting bed with our problems, living with our problems. We believe in not just coping, but conquering our problems. One of the number one questions I'll ask is, what do you want for you? And if I had a dollar for every time I got this same response, I'd be a rich man. They'll look me in the aisle. Sometimes a little tear will trickle down their cheek. I want to be happy. <laughs> I think we all want to be happy. No problem being happy. If there's any generation that has more reason to be happy, it's our generation and our culture. Our generation's the most affluent generation ever known in all human history. On top of that, on top of all the things and all the stuff that we own, or that owns us. We have more mental health experts. We have more pills. We have more counselors, more psychiatrists and psychologists. We have more therapists per capita than any nation ever known to man. Yet, we are the most unhappiest. Do you know that depression, the incidence of depression is the greatest in America than any other nation on the planet? Yeah. We're so unhappy. And so we see a travel poster and say, if I can just go there, I'll be happy. And we get there and we fight with our mate. 
And then we get even, un, even more unhappy as we pay the credit card off after the vacation. Oh, if I could just have that ATV, that snowmobile, that jet ski, that boat. Oh, if I could just drive that. If I could just live where he lives, in that house, in that sub, I would be happy. We go to the casinos. We go to Vegas. We go watch the, the next movie that, that, that's the, uh, out. Uh, we, we, we go to one uh, pleasure palace after another, and we end up empty. We end up like the prodigal son in the pig pen staring into the face of a hog. Because God has created every single one of us with a hole in our heart. Did you realize you've got a hole in your heart? Spiritual hole that only God can fill. You can drink up. You can shoot up. You can snort up. And none of those things are going to fill that hole. Pleasure, prosperity, material things, people, popularity, prestige, power. None of those things fill that hole. Just ask Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, and the list goes on and on and on. People who had it all died miserable, empty, dissatisfied. Because God created a hole in your heart that only Jesus was meant to fill. The people of Israel learned as they lived in those tents and they remembered year by year that their joy was dependent upon the Lord, not on stuff or things. That's why the book of Nehemiah says this. Nehemiah, put that slide up for me. The preacher's preaching without his notes. There you go. Nehemiah. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, there you go. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not stuff, not people, not things, not pleasure. Jesus. We're talking about Jesus' joy. I was visiting in the home of, of one of our people not long ago, and, and the parakeet, parakeet's outside of its cage. Bird. It hopped over to the sofa and hop over to the recliner. Then it hopped right over onto the person's shoulder. And I asked them, how is it that you're not afraid He's going to fly away. Somebody opens the door. Somebody opens a window. I mean, it's got full wings. Got, it has all its feathers. I mean, that bird could fly away. They looked at me with a smile, and they said, he does not know that he can fly. I said, what? Not long after its birth, it had its wings clipped. We got him with clipped wings. With clipped, because its wings were clipped, it could not fly, it could not soar. And even though the wings have completely grown out, it has been conditioned to think that it's still not, it still cannot fly. Even though it has the wherewithal to fly, it does not believe it can fly. Oh, there's, that's good preaching there. There's a sermon there. Don't you know my preacher's heart lit up there? Huh? Huh? You, were, you like the prodigal son, you were in a pig pen. The, the, the educator came walking by when you were in the pig pen and said, Hey, I'll help train you to be uh, uh, a good pig farmer. Uh, the politician came by and said, Hey, uh, uh, vote for me and I'll, I'll work for better working conditions for you in that pig pen. The new ager came by and said, You better be nice to those pigs because one day you might come back as one of them. But then Jesus came walking by. Do you remember the day that Jesus came walking by your pig pen? 
He sought you and he bought you, not with silver or gold, but he bought and purchased you. You were redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, come out of that big pen. Come with me. Let's go home to the Father. Do you remember that day? You were born again. You were changed and rearranged. But you're still living with the mindset of the pig pen life. The joyless life. You're still living like the parakeet with a mindset that you cannot fly. The reason, the reason why unhappiness is so invaded the church today the reason why much of the church today looks like the first church of the Frigidaire instead of Lakeside Assembly of God. The reason the church today looks so much like God's chosen frozen is that people are not aware of joy in Jesus. They don't know, uh, they're not aware of who they are or whose they are. They don't know that they can soar with wings of joy. They're still thinking uh, the way they thought in the pig pen, and they need to recognize and realize who they are and what they have in Christ Jesus, their Lord. Hallelujah. I'm hitting it on the head. Recognize what you have in God. You have His promises. You have His blessing. You have His presence. He'll walk with you and talk with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. Consider, consider who you are in Christ Jesus. The moment you were born again, you, uh, the Bible says, become special. You are not your own. You've been, you've been bought at a price. Not silver or gold. You have been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. You've been adopted in the family of God. Stop thinking like a pig. <laughs> Stop uh, hungering after pig food. Stop hungering after what the world hungers for. Begin to realize you don't have clipped wings. That you can soar in victory, in joy, in God confidence. Recognize that you're a child of God. You're a king's kid. The royal blood of heaven flows through your veins. Lift up your head. Lift up your hands. And recognize He's King of kings and Lord of lords. You're on your way to heaven. And everything's going to be alright. Hallelujah. That's real joy. That's real joy. You see, joy is a choice. I said joy is a choice. Joy is not sensationalism. Joy is not uh, uh, tickling uh, your funny bone. Joy is not uh, having to watch comedy movies all the time. Uh, joy is not a pill. Joy is a person, and his name is Jesus. And you and I have a choice with Jesus. Sometimes there are emotions with Jesus. Sometimes it's a matter of your feelings with Jesus. But because joy is a choice, it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of your will. Joy is not an emotional matter. Joy is the consequence of a relationship with God the Son, hallelujah, Jesus, your Lord who will not and cannot fail you. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, rejoice always in Him. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Do you see it there? That word rejoice means to brighten up. Brighten up before the Lord. It means to make a choice. It means you're not going to be dragged down by your problems, by your troubles, by your problems. It means that you're going to lift up your head, you're going to lift up your hands, and you're going to declare in your midnight hour, in your time of battle, in your time of darkness, no matter what's happening across this world, you're going to praise the Lord who sits upon the throne and declare, you're my God who continues to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Brighten up before the Lord. Choose to praise Him. Choose to honor Him. Joy. Joy is constantly looking forward. I don't know what happened last week. Maybe you had a disappointing 
event take place in your life last week. Maybe your hopes were cruelly crushed. Maybe you had a midnight hour. The devil's hour. I don't know what took place last week, but leave it in yesterday. Maybe you didn't make the grade. Maybe you didn't make the promotion. Maybe you didn't make the sales contract. Maybe you failed. Maybe you fell down and you sinned greatly. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward. I press towards the mark, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul said. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Real joy is living forward and walking and talking with Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it go. Live forward. Look at what all that God has for you. Embrace tomorrow in Christ Jesus. God directs our steps. Trust Him in this. Amen. Joy is one of the greatest evidences that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why the psalmist said, In thy presence is fullness of joy. Joy. Jesus said these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. Joy is more than a discipline of your will. Joy is more than, let's say, you, you fall down, you scrape your knee, you scrape your knuckles, and you lose a couple of teeth, and you get up, and you say, oh, isn't God good? <laughs> you, got, you have a lot better discipline than I have. <laughs> I don't really feel like saying praise the Lord at that point. I am talking, of, when I talk about joy, when I talk about Jesus' joy, I'm talking about more than sheer human effort by saying, isn't God good all the time? You know, feelings come and go like Michigan weather. When I talk about Jesus' joy, I'm talking about a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in you. Galatians 5.22 says that the Holy Spirit produces joy in us. Joy is more than a pill. It's more than mental gymnastics. It's more than sheer human effort. It is a healing work. It is a baptism from the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. I have seen it in counseling. I have especially seen it here at the altar where I have known as pastor the terrible road people are walking on. And as they began to lift up their hands and press into the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden, a gusher, a baptism of Jesus' joy comes down upon them. Sometimes they cry. Sometimes they uncontrollably laugh. Some of us that have been in Pentecost a long time, we know about laughing in the Spirit. But it's more than that. It's a healing that comes on the inside and is seen without as they're baptized by the Holy Spirit with Jesus' joy. And they leave the altar with their shoulders square, their head held high. They know that they know that they know that if God be for them, who can be against them? They declare this battle is not mine. It is the Lord's. For real joy is not super silliness. Real joy is a contentment knowing that God will supply all of my needs. Knowing that He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. It's knowing that God is upon the throne. And everything's going to be all right. It's knowing, hallelujah, there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We're on the winning side. I've read the end of the book. It doesn't end in a whimper. It ends in a roar. We win. Hallelujah. That's Jesus' joy. 
Lastly, this morning, write this down if you would. And I'm going to wrap up quick. We can be joyful because the festival of tabernacle proclaims the truth. We're going to God's promised land. Oh, you remember the old TV commercial? You know, uh, it was the NBA championship. It, it, it's it's the, the World Series. It's the Super Bowl. And they interview, they interview the star player. They interview the MVP, the most important one. They, they interview him, and they say, where are you going? And what would they say into the microphone? We're going to Disneyland. Christian, where are you going? We're going to Promised Land. Hallelujah! 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 And I go to these funerals. I go to the funerals of the world. And there's no hope. I'm on the phone. And in my ministerial dealings with people in the last couple of weeks, I've dealt with people that have experienced terrible, terrible, terrible loss. And I've wondered, what do people do? What does the world do without God, without hope? But we, as Christians, we have this hope in us. Paul said in Philippians, Paul said this, but our homeland is in heaven where our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ is, and we're looking forward to His return from there. When He comes back, He will take these dying bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same mighty power that He will use to conquer all else everywhere. Oh, I thank the Lord. What a day that will be when my Jesus... I shall see, glory to God, the best, the best has yet to come. Amen. Father, as we bow our heads this morning, we recognize, O oh Lord, the hour, the midnight hour that this world is in. Lord, this world is at its twilight hour. We see Bible prophecies being fulfilled all around us. But Lord, you have gripped us with Jesus' joy. Lord, we know what we have in you, who we are in you, and where we're going in you. Lord, what a day it will be when our Jesus we shall see. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And in a few moments, I'm going to open up this altar for a time of healing. I'm going to open up this altar for Jesus' joy, a baptism of joy. But right now, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed and none are looking around. If you're not sure that you have a home in heaven and you want to be sure, if you're not sure you're in right relationship with God, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to know you're on your way to heaven, I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you would like to be included in this prayer, just lift up your hand right now. How many here this morning? How many? God bless you. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up high so that I can see it. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Let us pray that prayer together with those that have lifted up their hands. And I would ask that if you've lifted up your hand, own this prayer. Put your heart into it. Make it your prayer. This is your time. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. And I confess that I am a sinner. 
But I declare, Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. Lord, give me this life. Change me. Rearrange me. Make me brand new. I thank you, Jesus, that you've heard me. That you've changed me. Thank you, Lord. I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.